0: Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you are looking for. Hey guys, Coach Jay here, and I have Jen back filling in for Shruti this week, and we have Jennifer Corbin on the show. We start by talking how she balances many roles, but then we really dig deep into her most important role as a sexual assault advocate. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay. Just want to let you know that I do offer life coaching sessions. And if you go to beammotivation.com, you can read more about me and my background and what I've done with coaching in general, including life coaching. I've always used mindset as a key component of my coaching, whether it be through life coaching or coaching with athletics, your mindset is a big key component of your success. We've talked about accountability on the podcast as well and having your circle and the people around you that support you. And I'm here to help you hit your goals and work on mindset so you can be productive moving forward and making changes. Please check out beammotivation.com. Thank you. Hi hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and I'm here with Jen once again, pinch hitting for Shruti, and we have a special guest, Jennifer Corbin. Uh, she's an actress, model, has multiple degrees, and is also a certified sexual assault advocate. And Jennifer, the first thing I want to say to you is I just went back on our Facebook messenger, and we've been chatting casually since January of 2011.
1: Are you serious? I didn't realize it was that long.
0: Yeah, my first message was actually a compliment to you on the lingerie series. And uh, we've just, wow. I mean, it's been, and like I mentioned to Jen I, and some of our, our back and forth messages were two, three or six months apart, but we're talking 10 years of casual conversation.
1: That's a, that's a and, long time.
0: <laughs> and and, and with, with that, I need to compliment you on just being very humble and down to earth. I and mean, you you have the little blue star on your all your accounts. So I mean, you're a celebrity, you, you have high status and to talk to just an average Joe like me and take the time. And, and I know we don't sit there hour long conversations, but that says a lot for you and, and your character.
1: That probably is the greatest compliment I could imagine receiving. Thank you. I appreciate
0: yeah. that. Thank you. Now, One of the questions I have for you, I mean, I mentioned all the things that you do and you have your creative side with the modeling and the acting and then you do interior design as well. And then you have your more, and not to take away from those, but the more professional business sides with the psych and criminal justice degrees. And I find myself to be pretty well-rounded, but how do you balance such extreme differences in what you do and all of them at a high level it's not like the guy that just plays his guitar on the back patio and plays bare league softball and those are two different things these are all high level and skills and talents that you have how do you find being able to manage all those
1: oh so i don't I, i i don't think i could do all of those things at the same time and perform the way that i need my expectations of myself Um, I started out with psychology and criminal justice slash sociology, sexual assault advocate um, in my early twenties, sort of as a reaction of the things that I experienced when I was younger. So that was important to me and that's what fueled me. Um, And then I had opportunities uh, in entertainment and I took those and I kind of focused on that, but I've periodically gone back to different things. I actually started studying interior design in 1989 Um, And actually, and went to an art school for a period of time. But my my dad really pushed me to go get a four year degree. So I went back to that after I had done all the things that made dad happy. I went back to that, Um, and then I also went back to being a sexual assault advocate here in in California, which is a very different scenario than in Texas. So I've I've I think I I focused in a large way on certain things at a period, in periods of time. And as I've gotten older, I've gone back to the things that really, really matter and make me happy. If that makes sense.
0: <laughs> oh, d- definitely. Um, obviously you have to follow passions and it, it, it makes working easier when you actually love what you do, when it doesn't make it a job. And I, I know one of the things I noticed when I, I went to post the photo, just to kind of, and promote this recording. And most of the photos out there, I'd say 98% of them are of the sexy variety, where they're from your modeling or your your acting career. Do you find it difficult to be taken serious in a more white-collar position like the psych or, or law type positions?
1: Um, I haven't, honestly. Um and and that's not to say that there haven't been challenges. I I I think more than anything, I get. You know the 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 people online that just want to stir stuff up and you know that, that that try to uh gaslight me essentially um so i have to limit those things both online and in my head um but in terms of i you know so when i when i'm working as an interior designer or if i'm working in any other capacity other than entertainment i present myself with my real name first of all and People get to know me and know my skill set as such. So anything that they might find out afterwards is really superfluous and most often irrelevant uh, to the work that I'm doing. Um, and that's it, it has been a very conscious, intentional thing that I've done. I never used my real name to model an act. Um, that was initially because I wanted to uh, protect my brothers and my father who had very, you know, well-established professional careers in the legal field. Um, but ultimately, it served me and my daughter. Um, and there, there has been some overlap. There's been some stuff that we have to deal with. But for the most part, um, you know, I just show up and I'm, I'm who I am. And you like what I do or you don't. Um, But if the only reason that you're pointing the finger at me is because I posed for Playboy or I did a a scripted TV series called lingerie, then really the issue is with you. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, (laughs) some people... What was that?
1: I see Jen nodding, and I love that. I I love that.
2: (laughs) Well, I find that's the case with so many other things as well. You know, if someone has a problem with... You know what you're wearing or how you speak or how you write or your particular stance on any type of topic it says more about them than it does about you
1: it absolutely does and then in you know and then we are we're talking about fields like psychology criminal justice sociology or sexual assault advocacy in particular where is the room to point out what you're wearing or what you posed for in the past? What, what, how does that work in that field? It's so incredibly hypocritical. So it's, it's, you you open by saying that you, that you think that I'm, I'm grounded and and I'm a real person. I really am. So all of this other crap, the makeup and the clothes and all the that, that was entertainment. This is who I am. Um, and I and I really stand by that. And it becomes easier as I get older. It, it was a little more difficult when I was younger.
2: It's part of what you do. It's not who you are.
1: Thank you. Well said. Yes.
0: And hey, we have had a situation like that kind of, and my wife and I actually met online uh, through photography back in the old AOL dial-up days. I just did a search in Connecticut <laughs> photography and her name came up And and we've done all sorts of photography from family stuff. And I coached high school sports and did senior photos, but we also did some nude photography and and modeling stuff. And she would get worried because the the Portuguese community is very close knit. It's like, if you do something in the Portuguese church in Danbury an hour away in Bridgeport, they're going to know about it type of deal. And there happened to be a Portuguese family that owned a, a strip club in Danbury. And I asked her, I said, well, your family owns this. I mean, do you, Did you get any flack from the Portuguese community? She said, at first, they did kind of turn their back towards them. But then they realized, you know what, they're just the same people. They own a business that just happens to be with the business. And kind of like Jen says, it's what you do, not who you are. And unfortunately, some people will judge you by one little component uh, of who you are and not the overall picture and not
1: even fully understanding it. It's so true. It, it it that's oh my gosh, um, so many examples come to mind, and it, it's it's hard to to pick one. Um, but there there is so much hypocrisy just um, in society as a whole. But then when you get into these, um, you know the the more closely knit communities. And I didn't grow up. I, I mean, I grew up in Dallas, very judgmental place. <laughs> but I wasn't. Um, I wasn't part of a particular cultural group or a particular re- religious group where that's even, um, it's even, it, 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 it's, it, it's more of an issue. Um, but I just see, I mean, you know, we, we, we and I, I, I hate to bring politics into this, but it's a perfect example. Andrew Cuomo just passed some, what was it, three years ago? The sexual, I mean, oh my God. And in his mind, he didn't know that what he was doing was wrong, please. I mean, there is so much hypocrisy that goes around. And and I think ultimately it doesn't matter what culture you came from, what country you came from, what religious background you do or don't come from. It's about what you put out there.
0: I, I just saw something and I don't know if it was, I mean, cause you can never, you can't believe everything you see online, but it was a picture of him on I'll say a particular news station, um, just because they're all politically laced as well. Um, but the caption underneath it said something like, "I'm I'm not a creep, I'm Italian," or something like that. And <laughs> I was kind of talk. I was kind of talking to my wife about it. Well, it, here's the thing, because like I said, I, I coached high school sports. Now, my wife and I worked on a religious retreat one weekend, which was for high school kids. So now that Monday, I go back into school. I'm walking down the hallway. And one of the Portuguese girls who was on the receipt on the retreat, a high school student's walking towards me. This is at the end of the day. I'm walking to to meet the soccer team. We walk down the hall. We see each other. We say hi. Immediately, we give each other kisses on both cheeks. I keep walking. I'm thinking, oh geez, who just saw that? I mean, we just that spent nice. a three day weekend with each other. It's the Portuguese community. You, you give kisses on two cheeks. We know each other outside. That's the culture. That's a, but at the same time, it's like geez, did I just do something wrong? Could I lose my coaching job for this? Could I, and it, it, there was nothing sexual about it, nothing erotic about it. It was a cultural thing that both of us did without even thinking it, just muscle memory. And then we walked past each other. And I mean, there are cases and not to say what he did or, or didn't do is is right or wrong, but sometimes there's, there's times where it seems like you almost have to be overly cautious because if the wrong people see things. I mean, we joked about it when I was coaching high school baseball. If you're a baseball fan, what do you do when you take the pitcher out? You grab the ball from him, smack him on the rear and he goes into the dugout. You do right. that now. And it's, I mean, that's just, it's just what you do in a baseball game. And it's tough when you have to watch out for every little move because some of them can be blown out of proportion.
1: I, I Listen, we live in really precarious times, um, but, it, my philosophy on that is that the pendulum swings both ways. It has been so far one direction and now the me too movement um, has brought it the other direction. And I feel like we will find more of a balance. I think when you're um, you know, when you're a teacher or a coach and things like that, yes, you have to mind your P's and Q's a bit more. Um, and things can be taken out of context. And, and I, I feel free in that situation. I, I don't think I would ever take a position teaching kids for that reason, I, you know, I might be guilty of the same thing in the situation with, um, with governor Cuomo and so many others is they use that excuse as an excuse. I mean, you don't uh, put your hand up a woman's blouse because that's your culture. You don't slam the door and make her afraid of you. You don't retaliate. You don't do all of these things because of culture that that's just the weakest Thing I've heard in in ages and I got my oh, I, I agree t- with
0: that <laughs> yeah I agree with that 100 percent. I mean there are people that are trying to dig for every every reason to like you said use an excuse and I,
1: I know and, that- and on the other side too there you know there, there are like I said the pendulum swings both ways. there there are people that are hyper on both sides of this
0: well let's and, like, and- let's go with um Bill Cosby I mean, I, I kind of have the the argument, and I have some stats we'll get into after this, but take Bill Cosby and and everything that he allegedly did, and and some were proven, and probably some were also probably proven to, to not be true, but I'm wondering how many people have something happen by, we'll say, a, a B-list or C-list celebrity, so to speak. They say nothing, and then all of a sudden, this person becomes – a Bill Cosby of the world with millions of dollars and like, ooh, here's my chance to hit the lotto. Well, it was just as wrong 25 years ago as it is now. Why wasn't it reported then, or did you wait for the jackpot?
1: And and my answer to that would be it, it could be both. So 25 years ago, it was not okay to come out and say ABC, you know, this person did this to me. You wouldn't have been heard. You would have been shunned. That person had power it would have um, ended all of the things that you had worked for up until that point. And that's the whole point of the Me Too movement. It's about the power that these people have and the influence they have over these other people. So they use that power and influence to get away with these horrific things. And let, let's not mince words here, they're rapists. They're, they're predators, but yes, I, I imagine, and I, I don't know what the stats are in this, um, I knew what the stats were 20 years ago, but I imagine, yeah, if there's a Bill Cosby and all these women came forward, there's probably a few stragglers that are like, maybe I can cash in on this. I, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying it's entirely possible. Um, but I think that my, I, I, the majority of these, first of all, all of their stories need to be heard. I agree. Um, and, and, and as far and, as I can tell, most of them have been proven. And some of them without a single doubt.
0: When you mention all the stories need to be heard, I know Jen has some personal connections related to this topic. And uh, she shared a, a, a chart with me. And Jen, if you want to go over those those stats to show how few of these stories are, are heard.
2: Yeah, I have a, a woman who is near and dear to me um, deal with a physical and a sexual abuse relationship that she had been in and when she originally went to the police they didn't do their job. They kind of poo-pooed off everything that she had to say. they didn't investigate the people or even question the people that she said, hey the, these are witnesses this has happened to them you need to you know confirm that and they originally came back and said, you know not enough evidence, no charges. Well, the bad part on that one was the abuser was the son of a law enforcement officer in that same district. And it to, to her it felt like it was, you know, nepotism and oh, he can't do anything wrong and let's just, you know, brush it underneath the brush it underneath the, the rug. It took six months to get charges when they did finally agree, when the DA finally agreed that there was enough evidence. Um, there was 10 charges for first degree felonies, one second degree and five third degree felonies are against this individual. And it was during that time that I found the statistic that just, it, it was gut sinking. You know, if, you know, 31%, according to um, the Justice Department figures by Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network back in from 2010 to 2014, 31% of incidences are reported to the police. Mm-hmm. 5.7% are actually arrested. 1.1% are referred to a prosecutor. 0.7% are convicted of a felony. And 0.6% are actually incarcerated.
1: Right, sir. And, and so, what is this nationwide? Please This was
2: nationwide. Justice Department, yeah.
1: So, um, I'm, I'm just, it's, it it just blows me away every time I hear something like this. So, you know, they, 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 the average that that I had heard is, you know, 25% of adolescent girls and women have been sexually assaulted in one way before the, before the age of 18, actually. Well, we know that that's only
2: what's reported. Yeah. And, and if only 31% are actually even reporting it, how much worse is that? You know. It's at least
1: double. It's at least double in, 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 my work as a sexual assault advocate, most of the survivors that I meet with never report it, um, for a variety of reasons. And, and mostly because they have no support and also because they know that they're going to be re-victimized during the whole process. And, and that, oh my God, these women that have come forward and, you know, in the whole Epstein thing. Um, it, 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 there are, there just are a few women that just will stop at nothing. Um, I, I can't, I mean, these are super women to me. They're, they're, their cases have already been proven, but they are um, opening themselves up really to public scrutiny of all kinds. And then, I mean, Jesus, what I've dealt with on social media that, you know, people calling me, whatever, couldn't even imagine what that's like for them. Then they have to go through the whole legal process. And then, you know, in in the Epstein case, he dies. So that it's just, it's endless. It's absolutely endless. And I think the most painful part of all of that is there's the legal process that's painful, but what all of this process, just the, the, just the, the process of reporting and then having nobody respond to you and then having to follow up and then bringing them evidence and them sitting on it And then, I mean, basically it comes down to having to threaten people to do their job, to investigate something that actually happened. And what it actually tells you is it doesn't matter. People can do whatever they want to you because you don't matter.
2: Yes. This particular woman had to go to the DA chief and wrote a letter saying, look, this is what I'm seeing. I have done all this. Your detectives haven't done the job that they are supposed to do. I will give you one more chance please restore my faith in the legal system please and that was no victim should have to fight as hard as she did to have justice
1: i i can i mean i i've been on both sides of this fence i've i've um i've been an advocate and i've been the survivor and i don't think i would have had the strength to do what she did at that point i i have since, Um, and it's been just as disappointing, and this is very, very recently, (laughs) nothing has changed. That's the thing, nothing has changed.
2: No, nothing has changed. This particular case was just, is now three years old. So it is, you know, and it was 18 months from reporting it to the police to sentencing. So it, it, nothing has changed. And some areas, my understanding is that some areas of the country are harder to get a sexual assault, a sexual assault conviction, in. Um, but that shouldn't be the case. You know, it, it culturally. I mean, we were talking about different cultures. You shouldn't be able to get away with certain acts because you say it's part of your culture. Culturally, some areas are still women are not as equal or not necessarily as heard. Um, and I'm not saying that you know men are not abused. But there's some areas, and it's just, it's very difficult to watch it happen, um, especially when it's someone close to you. Uh,
0: On those those numbers, like just doing simple math, only 31% go and actually report it. I mean, if we, again, simple math, just double that up to I mean, 60, 62%, that still only leaves you at 11% arrested. What do you think needs to be done with the justice system to make more of these I mean, people charged and arrested? I mean, why is that number so low?
1: It, I, I'll just tell you from my own personal experience, um, I, I think you just hit on a point, Jen, is that uh, it depends on where you live. It depends on how motivated uh, the the, the, the police department and the DA are in the area that you live and it can vary so much just from county to county. Um, and I can tell you, living in Hollywood, Hollywood PD, and, and I was married to a policeman. I have a degree in criminal justice. I respect police. I, I My best friends are police. Um, Hollywood PD sucks. And they, I mean, to the <laughs> point. <laughs> so it, I, and I, this is nothing that I haven't said to their faces, to the point that I had a stalker for two years, and I, I called the police probably two dozen times. I saved all of these reports. They would just come to my house, and they'd walk them out, oh, yeah, you gotta go. I moved three times in six months. I moved to a secured building. Um the guy was stalking me from a neighbor's house. And and this is at this point, he's like a heroin addict. He's all kinds of craziness. Um, the people he's involved with their houses are being broken into. Well, lo and behold, my house was broken into in my secured building. Um, he was in the apartment, called the police photographs, fingerprints. Um, he was arrested and he bailed out that same night. There were Five charges, and I won't go into all of the details. Um, so initially, there was a restraining order, right? Um, an emergency restraining order. Two days later, I had friends staying in my house because I was so afraid to be alone. Showed up on my doorstep at 2:30 in the morning, banging on the door. I'm calling 911. Three police officers show up. One of them was a woman, and I still have her business card. Um, she lectured me about why are you? Why don't you just block him on text? My response was, how is that going to prevent him from showing up on my door and attacking me again? What are you thinking? Why are you victimizing the victim? Um, by the way, it took them 20 minutes to show up when they're supposed to show up lights and sirens. So he, was, uh, it, he had left by that point. He was actually pulled over later that night. They should have put out an APB because he was fleeing from my house. They had pulled him over, gave him a ticket, let him go they don't care. So part of it, it's like, and, and it depends on where you live. now, different areas, they, they take it very seriously. You live in some place like Hollywood. What's, I mean, dozens of times I've called the police. Neighbors have called the police. He's been arrested so many times. They don't do anything. The DA doesn't do anything.
0: Do you find that the the bigger cities, like a Hollywood, LA, a Dallas, a New York, a Boston, there's just, they're getting bombarded so much that I, and I, I don't want to say it's the, the, the boy who cried wolf situation, but there's so many of them that they just, okay, which one do we take serious? Which one? And they should take every one of them serious. And then how does that compare to like small town America and, and main street USA and the little country towns? Do you think they tend to go after them more?
1: That's a good point. Um, obviously in, in well, in big cities, there's higher volume. Um, there's also a lot more red tape in my experience. I was married to a Tulsa cop. Um, his father was sheriff. I I got certified as a sexual assault advocate in Denton, Texas. So I'm doing ride alongs with police. So I know how they're, they're technically supposed to behave, how they're supposed to respond. Um, and I've seen them respond that way in places like Dallas, um, even New York, um, even parts of Los Angeles, but in other areas, they just don't care. It, it just it where i live right now they don't have an advocacy program at all they don't even they don't consider advocates they their um their policy is that if they're called for instance to a domestic they're going to arrest someone so a woman could have just defended herself and broken a window but she's going to get arrested because she admitted that instead of the guy that you know assaulted her to begin with so it, 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 the policies vary so much from, from place to place. Um, but when I got certified as a sexual assault advocate, this is like 1995. So we've known better that long. It's really a choice at this point. Who's gonna actually implement that? It, city council, DA, like we need to start, we need to start paying attention to our options and insisting that those options are actually implemented where we live.
0: I think, I mean, obviously this is one of the most serious topics and stuff, but I think when we get someone like the goofy I mean, lawsuits out of thrown out, like when you spill a hot McDonald's coffee in your lap and you consume McDonald's for a million dollars and you have a judge that that awards this victim a million dollars for spilling a hot coffee, when, when the judges just say, nope, not worth my time, go home, and we throw all that, those stupid cases out. Um, like I said, I, I coached high school sports in the rule book for high school soccer for the National Board of High School Sports. It was written that all permanent structures must be 10 yards away from the field. Well, someone in Connecticut, the state that I'm in, got sued because there's a permanent structure closer than 10 yards from the field. Now the official rule is it is recommended. They actually changed the rule because someone got sued. So when stupid things like this can, can win law cases, hot coffee, or, or the guy running out of your house with your TV and he trips over your cracked sidewalk and he sues you oh, and, and wins. Yeah. When those things, when, when our, our legal system just says, no, we're not dealing with this, you're the idiot, get out of here. Okay, now we have more time to invest into taking serious cases like this serious and having time for it. But when we're wasting our time on hot coffee cases, I and mean, I think that's ridiculous.
1: You know, there is something to be said for the Wild West, right? Where you just kind of take things into your own hands.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, vigilante justice.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and, and God, I'm not advocating that. Think,
2: no, God. no, neither but, am I. But, it it's it it I, doesn't solve anything. It actually yeah. no no matter how much the the dads of or the moms of a sexual abuse victim want to just deal with it and mm-hmm. put that person down because they hurt their baby, mm-hmm. it needs to go through the proper process for everyone. It not only helps the, the the victim, the abused, to feel like they have control, that they have the power and they were able to mm-hmm. take at least a little bit of that back from their abuser. It allows the community to see that you can't get away with that. You, even though we all know, unfortunately, that it happens a whole lot more than it actually gets reported, when it does go through the full proper legal process and has an appropriate outcome, it looks, it appears to the community that, okay, this is how things are supposed to be.
1: So what was the statistic that you mentioned where people actually serve time or
2: are convicted? What
1: was that that number?
2: um disgustingly (laughs) small um so 0.7 percent are convicted of a felony and 0.6 percent are incarcerated
1: so and tell me maybe maybe your friend um or maybe you know the answer for your friend to this i feel like um it in an ideal world, yes, there would be this evidence. There would be a trial. They would be convicted, and they actually serve time. They or they, you know, they have a punishment. Um, obviously, I mean, really, that that that's a that's a long shot. So I feel like the process, if it has anything to offer, it's that you have faith in society because you're walking around as a woman, and you. you you got to deal with all of these things all the time that, you know, I mean, working for the governor, I mean, whatever the, the situation is, but when the police fail you and the DA fails you and the city council people that you voted for fails you and everybody around you fails you, that's when, in my experience and, and a lot of people that I've worked with, um, we just become recluses. That's when you're just like, well, what's the point? What, yeah. You know, it, that's what just the world has failed you. And that's, The real damage is when you have destroyed the person. The physical act is one thing, but when you've destroyed the person, and that that's not just on the perpetrator, that's on everybody else who didn't do their job.
2: Exactly. Just like this woman, when she sent the letter to the DA chief, Mm -hmm. begging for her for the chief to restore her faith in the legal system, because no one no one had done anything for her at that point, and even when the the legal, the, all the court proceedings ended up and the abuser did opt for a, a plea agreement and did plead guilty. When she announced it to those closest to her, she goes, I did this, not the system. The asinine system fought me the whole way. It's because of what I did that he is where he's going to be.
1: And I mean, know your friend's name but i i'm applauding her with every soul every bit of my soul right now i mean they're they're we're hearing more stories about this since the me too movement but we need to hear even more and and it's you know eventually it's going to actualize real change but we've got so far to go it it because i mean most so Perpetrators kind of gauge their victims, right? They don't just walk up to somebody and assault them. They're kind of feeling out who's who's going to put up with more of their crap. And most of us come from abusive situations to begin with, whether children or whatever. So we don't really, if we've come from a situation like that and somebody abuses us as an adult, and we know the legal system is in front of us, but well, this happened to me so many times before. And who's really going to stand by me? If my dad asks me what I was wearing or my mom says, well, why were you doing out that? where, Where do you have to go? And this is why we have advocates, but advocates can't do everything. I mean, these are strangers that I'm, you know, that I'm paired up with. They have to deal with their families and they have to deal with the police who are literally rolling. I've seen policemen roll their eyes while they're asking questions of a survivor in the hospital. Like, seriously, can you just get out of the room now? And I've had to do that before.
2: I've had to yeah, ask. and and I've I've seen families and fathers even look at their daughter who got out and say, "Well, why didn't you leave sooner?" It's not that easy.
1: I'm blaming the victim. This is this is not. I mean, we we don't have to cover ourselves from head to toes just so a man doesn't have any responsibility. People have responsibility for themselves, men and
0: women. So very true. Sorry. You kind of mentioned like the the wild West and how things take care of itself a, a friend of mine was called for jury duty and I think it was a, an abuse case and and when they were selecting they they asked them, "Well, you have daughters i mean what would what would you do if this happened to your daughter and He points to the defendant and said he wouldn't be here and the judge said, "You can't say that and he looks at the judge and said, "But your honor, I'm under oath
2: and that's a true, <laughs> that's a,
0: that's a true story." Uh, Now you mentioned like the whole, what are you wearing thing and, and, and how that comes in. Well, why do you go out dressed like that? When I was substituting in a high school, there was a girl with a short skirt. And I mentioned it to one of the, the calf monitors, who was one of my teachers when I was in that school. And he said, I don't see anything. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You don't see anything. It's almost all hanging out. He goes, if you send her to the office, she's going to say, why is he looking at my legs and you'll be in trouble. And so when you get other cases where like, you're trying to look out for people you can have situations like that where you almost have to be cautious on, on what you ask and what you point out. And I mean, it's a tough situation in both directions at times.
1: Definitely. Wow. I hadn't thought about something like that. So I, you know, aren't there dress codes in schools though? Like, aren't you wearing a a skirt that does, so it's not on you that she's violating the dress code. (laughs) No,
0: I know. But, but there's cases where, I mean, Again, going down, like I said, going down the hallway and, and and nothing sexual about it, just cultural thing. The families know each other and the quick kiss on the cheek. If someone saw that, it, I mean, it's probably a zero tolerance towards teacher. A teacher or coach shouldn't be kissing a student on the cheeks. Yet it wasn't anything like that. I mean, you would hope in that situation, I'd say, hey, it's we know the family. And then and, and the girl would say the same thing. And the mother of the girl would say, no, we're family friends. And I mean- Back in those days, my high school coach gave me rides home. I mean, my father sold a shotgun to his teacher in school. He said he handed him the money and he leaned it against the wall <laughs> back in the 60s. I mean, I know things have That's changed awesome. now. I mean, yeah.
1: now. Yeah, they're definitely more complicated now. I agree with you. That's why I
2: would I never take complicated a job. they to- on, on a good perspective. I think, yes, they are more complicated, but I think that it makes us more aware of things that should not have been gotten away with yes
1: did. yes absolutely so the the whole woke thing you know like like it's again it, 96 or 95 or 96 when I got certified as a sexual assault advocate in Texas these were things we were talking about back then we are just now hearing about them in the media in the last couple of years so it's it, it, it's and I went to Texas women's University so you know it we were lovingly called Dyke U, Lakelotopsis, all the different names, right? I didn't care. I went there because I wanted to get an education, and I didn't want to be harassed by a bunch of guys, which had been my experience in the past. I was a mile away from the biggest party school in the state. If I
2: wanted to go there, <laughs> but, yeah, there's always access to the parties, you know, to yeah. the party schools. Yeah.
1: Oh,
0: yeah play, but- Playboy ranked UConn number one one year.
1: You oh my god, <laughs> but. you know this has always been a thing it's just that people are starting to talk about it now openly I these very this very all of the stuff that we've been talking about now I remember trying to talk to my father and I loved my dad I mean you know I was raised by two older brothers and a dad but they were um as misogynistic as could come especially my father and part of it was you know the era that he grew up in and you know, he admitted towards the end that that he probably wasn't as aware as he should be, but he still didn't know. But this is what I grew up with, and they gave me so much help when I would bring things like this up. And I was literally like asked to leave family events because I was not okay with certain things. So it's it, it, it it's been a uh, a rough road, and I'm really glad to hear that certain people are talking about it. And part of it also is that we're seeing women in different power positions um so you know <laughs> ironically the new governor of new york is a woman but um all sorts of things women in hollywood producing and creating and having these just amazing success that has i think more to do with the ultimate outcome than anything else
0: now the, those numbers that that jen shared with you um the 31 percent reporting And this was from, like she said, 2010, 2014. So we're in seven to 10 years out. Do you think now that more people are coming out, we had the whole thing with USA Gymnastics. And and with that said, I just had the thing pop up in my email that my safe sport is uh, expiring in 30 days. As, As a level three USA archery coach, I have to take safe sport training, which is the whole mandated reporter thing where we have to go through a training and watch those and- I don't say boring to to discredit them, but the, the videos and if this happens, who do we go to and how, how we handle situations. But I mean, now here we are seven to 10 years later from this report, where only 31% reported it, USA Gymnastics and all those athletes coming out and we're seeing it more in the forefront. Do you think if they did this same report now, hopefully these numbers are up or five years from now, these numbers of at least the reported ones, let's get more than 31% reported. And then once that happens, hopefully everything jives and the arrest and the and convictions go up as well.
1: I, you know, I, so that was 2014. I honestly don't think that the number that's reported now is going to be that much more than what it was then. And the reason, so I, we're hearing about different situations. So USA Gymnastics, I was, I was a competitive gymnast and I was uh, picked for the 88 Olympics and I would have been in that same group of people well, and ultimately didn't go. Um, So there's a part of me that that by the skin of my teeth, I would have been one of those victims. Now we look at Simone Biles and she just, you know, took herself out of competition to take care of herself. That is not something that was ever even a consideration um, back in my day in gymnastics. This is, I mean, and not only did she take herself out of it, she put herself back into it and she was given that freedom this is never something that was ever even considered maybe five years ago. It, 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 the, the first person that talked about mental health and taking care of himself that I remember, um, the swimmer Phelps um, so many years Michael ago. Phelps. Mm-hmm. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. So we're talking about USA Gymnastics. We're not talking about um, going to the police again. And I, I think it has to do with the system that you're operating in. Um, and there are all kinds of systems. If you're operating in a corporation, you know what does that look like? USA Gymnastics, what this, but in, and also in what police department? What DA? Where do you live? So I think things need to change on a um, on a bigger level before we see those reporting numbers go up, because people are just they know. I mean, it, it, as an advocate, I'm I'm not going to sit there and tell them, oh, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna fill out this paperwork and you're gonna have a hearing, you're gonna get a restraining order, go to trial, and I'll stand by you and you're gonna be fine. No. Most often that doesn't happen.
2: No, it is a very rare circumstance to have a conviction.
1: Or or even for it to go to trial, even for them to be given the 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 acknowledgement that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm I'm wondering, I mean, obviously as a parent, you'd always protect your your child, but I'm wondering how many like parents. Yeah, with a mosque
1: 30, 30 and a pistol grip. uh,
0: How many parents out out there
1: and And a 16 year old daughter?
0: (laughs) Well, I I have a a sister who's 19 years younger than me. And I I remember joking when she was younger saying when the first boyfriend comes to the house, me, my brother, my father would all be there cleaning the shotguns as as he walked through the front door. Uh, But like. I read a, a, a post on, on Facebook where they're talking about Simone Biles and, and there are so many out there saying that, oh, she let the country down. She let the team down and why not be another Carrie Strug who went and, and toughed it out and this and that. And this one father wrote a thing that he remembers when he was younger, watching her do that vault on the bad ankle and, and, and limping off in, in yeah, I and, and and, and how tough she was to do that. But he says now watching it as a father with his young kids and seeing the kids saying but why'd he why'd she do that she was hurt looking at it as a father he wasn't as impressed that she went through and did it i mean when he was younger that was like oh there we go i mean like i said you coach high school sports and you want the tough kid that's going to play hurt and and do this and that but now when you're looking at it from another angle you would think more parents would be out there having this conversation with their kids when they're younger. Hey, if anything happens, you need to say something, you need to report it. You you, you can't hide these type of things. Um, I mean, kind of like the whole I and mean, Goodwill hunting scene where he said, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And we got to let, let the, I mean, anyone, but especially starting at a younger age, letting them know that it's not your fault, report it. Nothing's going to be done to you in a negative way. And hopefully, and they get the support and, these numbers come up. If, if that 31% gets up to that 60% or 70 or 80%, I mean, the the legal system is gonna get bombarded so much that they're gonna to have to do something about it.
1: So, okay, a couple different points here. Um, in terms of sports, I mean, we're seeing this all the way through, right? Football players, head injuries, um, more protective padding in pretty much every single sport, we're protecting our kids. And I think as a whole, society is evolving from the, you know, the old World War II kind of, it just, just grit it, bury your teeth and, you know, whatever, move on. Um, We saw how that played out over generations and we have emotional scarring from that uh, where we weren't nurtured. We weren't cared for. We weren't allowed to take care of ourselves. We were just expected to do the job. I mean, that's, that's how my dad spoke my grandma. That, that's just, but I think we're we're moving away from that. Um, I think it's it, hopefully beginning to become a more inclusive society where more people have a voice. So we're talking about emotional scars here though. So um, like with Simone Biles, it, it, it was, I think it was, I mean, she talked about the spins and I know as a gymnast, I never actually experienced the spins, but I had friends that did. Um, you can kill yourself easily doing anything that she does, um, having the spend. So what she's supposed to risk her life to for entertainment for these people that would otherwise criticize her. I think that's ridiculous. And I think those people are on the fringe. I would like to think so, at least those people are on the fringe now. I think more people would appreciate what she did and took the stance that that's kind of what I took from it. Maybe I just live in California. <laughs> I'm from texas no. I still to Texas, but no i
0: it, think it, it was definitely big for her to come out and i mean the, the world watched it it's not like it was a national event this was international and and coming from just an archery fan and, and coach we watched the archery and brady ellison our number one archer is the number one archer in the world so he had the pressure from usa archery and all the arch- archers in this country but unless you're an archer, you really don't watch archery as much as I love the sport. No one else is turning the, the, no one else is setting their alarm at one 30 AM like I did to watch, to get up and watch Brady live. So I didn't have to watch it in a replay, but for Simone, she was the face of the entire Olympics, just like Michael Phelps was the face of the entire Olympics. And to have that much pressure on you, I, I think it was, I give her a lot of credit and I mean, in this podcast, I love coaching mindset and and Jen will tell you, I mean, the importance of rest is one of the, the biggest things I put out there. Oh my God. Um, but I I give, I mean, someone who asks for help is showing more strength than the person that just trudges through it. And the kid that goes to the coach and says, coach, my ankle hurts rather than, you know, I'm going to go through it. And now you broke your ankle or you tore something and you're permanently injured and, and will be crippled for the rest of your life. Being able to ask for help is a tremendous strength, and I and I point that out to people all the time.
1: Oh my God! So yeah, <laughs> there should be more teachers and coaches like you. It it is it's hard to ask for help. You're making yourself vulnerable. You're setting yourself aside from the rest of the team or whatever the situation may be, um, and 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 you're taking a risk because you may or may not know how that's going to be received. It it's it, it takes tremendous strength um, and humility to ask for help but it's only then that we get the help that we need but you're right it, it's I, I think exactly what you said should be taught to every child every day of their elementary school years now
0: and going forward to to start wrapping things up on on both sides so from the the victim side what do you think needs to be done like you said you don't think these numbers are going to go up for for more victims to to report it and and let their voices be heard. And then on the justice side, what do you think needs to be done for more of these and predators to be convicted and for there to be more consequences? Because on both sides, the numbers are too low. We have too, too few of the people reporting these crimes. And then of those that are reported, very little being done about it.
1: So wow, a complicated situation. But I would say for the people who are reporting that, this is the first step of your survival. You are no longer a victim. Um, Whether or not the outcome is justice, you know, as as we would see it, you've already become a survivor. It 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 starts the process. There are resources, Um, and quite honestly. You know, a lot of these, I've been in situations in a hospital room where the father won't even look at the daughter because she's been sullied. Um, Some of those families have cultural issues and some of them are just assholes. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, it can be Texas or it can be Middle Eastern. It, it, It happens kind of all over the place. But I think, I feel like the more resources and the more support we can provide Survivors, both men and women, and and of any identity, um, the more those numbers are going to go up. Um, in terms of actually seeing justice and convictions, that's a whole nother ball of wax. That's going to take a lot more time. So I think I think the main goal should be survival, um, and then those people that survive reach out and help other survivors. It becomes a culture. Um, you know, I, I, we, we, have, we have city council people, we have chiefs of police, we have DAs. These people are elected. Um, they're, you know, the way that they react to things like this should be made public. Um, that becomes our choice. The people need to get involved. People need to read. They don't, you know, don't just, oh, I heard about this person because my girlfriend said she was, no, you need to actually read and see what they've done in the past. You know, participate. This is this is a gift that we've been given, but in terms of actual survival and recovery and, and all that, that we're not going to get it from the justice system ever.
0: I hope hopefully there can be at least more education on on the victim side, starting before they're victims, so they know what to do if they're ever in that situation, and and moving forward. Like I said, if if more people report it and the system's getting bombarded and they'll have to eventually start doing more than they are doing.
1: There are several places all, no matter where you live, there are resources and they're called different things in different places. I know in Los Angeles uh, County, there's peace over violence. They actually do ride alongs with police. These are places that people can call. There's an 800 number, a crisis line number. Um, there are, there are counselors, um, they will meet you, uh, in the hospital. They'll meet, they'll meet you wherever you are um, and you don't necessarily have to file charges. They just want to take care of you. Um, so I would say no matter where you are, I mean, people have phones, Google, anything, any sort of resource, there are resources everywhere. It, and it, it may be a small step, but it may be the biggest step.
0: Well, hopefully people start using those resources and, and making some change. But, Jennifer, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I definitely a lot of information that you gave us, and hopefully, listeners uh, can take that and make some changes.
1: Kind of intense, but this was great. <laughs> thank you, Jen.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we we could have talked on some of the other things you do, but th- yeah. this was this was. Out of everything, this was the, the important thing. I mean, we, yeah, we could have spent an hour talking about the lingerie show, which my wife and I watched front to back multiple times. But, uh, <laughs> but well, i admit, glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> but yeah, this was def- definitely uh, an important topic to, to touch.
1: I appreciate you bringing it up. I really do. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you again. Have a good night. You too. Bye, guys. Shift right. Mindset podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including, but not limited to, your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Hey guys, Coach Jay here, and before the closing credits and theme song, I just wanted to share a page. This was one of the more serious topics that we covered and it is definitely something that needs to be addressed, and we need to make progress on where we go moving forward with this. Uh, found a website, ncdsv.org. It's the National Center on Domestic and Sexual Violence. So if anyone needs resources in regards to that, you have some questions you might have or just need some support, uh, check out that website, ncdsv.org.